Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hey everyone, thanks for joining today. Today we have on Rachel Blazing and she lives in Northern Indiana with her husband and two kids. She has had type one diabetes for 36 years. She is now 47 years old. She is a nurse and she works on the business side of that industry. She's been fasting for right around six months. And when she started fasting, she noticed that when she broke her fast, she would end up with very high blood sugars. And she went through a number of different strategies to try to combat the insulin resistance that she was facing. Ultimately, she landed on taking metformin when she started eating, and we'll get into how she came to that conclusion and and exactly what she does in order to combat that insulin resistance. It's an issue that I know that many type ones in particular face when they fast and when they break their fast. So if this is an issue that has come up for you, I know it has come up for me at various points in time. It's definitely an episode that is worth listening to. Also, Rachel has a very interesting story, and I think you'll get a lot out of this episode. I learned a ton from listening to her, and she's very methodical in her approach to managing type 1 diabetes, so I hope you enjoy it. Hi, Rachel. Good morning. I'm so happy to see you. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Lucy. Thank you. Happy to be here. Great. Uh, Before we start, uh, maybe you can just give us a little bit of background about yourself. Sure. So um, I um, have been diabetic for 36 years, type 1. Um, I was diagnosed in the 80s when I was 11 years old. So though, you know, that was the time before all the technology. I actually remember being in um, the peds unit um, inpatient when I was diagnosed. And I remember them, the nurses and diabetes educators telling me how excited they were because they actually had, you know, the um, glucometers that that had been like recent technology development. And so um, they were excited because up until that point, people, you know, had to test their urine and, you know, so anyway, I've been diabetic a long time from, you know, back in those days when using glucometers and, um, and uh, yeah, injections. Um, I started on a pump. I was one of the first in my small town to get started on a pump. Uh, gosh, um, 25 years ago, I think. So been on a pump a long time. I use a um, tandem T slim now and, uh, and a uh, Dexcom um, G6. So, yeah. So you're, uh, you're doing the control IQ, I guess. Yes, I am. Right. And what insulin do you use? I lo- I use Lumjev right now. Okay. Um, yep. Yeah, I actually switched um, to that recently. 
um, well, maybe six months ago while, when I was, when I started fasting, I switched to that. So yeah. was there a reason you switched or was it insurance yeah. or something? Um, the reason why I switched was because I was having this unusual reaction to high blood sugars. My blood sugars was, were, my blood sugars would spike extremely high when I would break my fast and um, the Humalog that I was using, you know, it takes like an hour to peak. And um, I just felt I wasn't used to my blood sugar spiking like that. And it was really um, bothering me to see it spike so fast, so high and not come down. And so I thought one of my first things was, well, maybe if I switch to a quicker acting insulin, I could get ahead of it faster. I wouldn't have to wait an hour um, so I tried that. It didn't really do a whole lot, but, um, it was, um, I, but I do, I do like the fact that it starts acting quicker. Um, I can see it peak within like 30 minutes. So anyway. Yeah, I, that's, I was on Humalog too, before I was on Fiasp and I was so scared to move over. I wasn't, I didn't do it. Well, I, a friend of mine had Fiasp and, uh, she liked how fast it was. And so I, I tried it and I, I didn't, um, I had some like skin reactions to it at first, which went away. Um, and also the action slowed down. I feel like when I first started it, it, it kind of was in my system in about 15 minutes. I thought it was great. And then now I pre-bolus usually around 30 minutes. Like it, it's definitely slowed down. I don't know if you've noticed that with Loomjev at all. Yeah. I, yeah. Same, same, um, same thing. I usually, I try and pre-bolus 30 minutes. Sometimes 15 is the best I can do, but yeah, yeah, I noticed that as well. Yeah, it's just all these things. Um, and I, I definitely want to talk more about how you've been experiencing or you had been experiencing higher blood sugars when you were breaking your fast, because um, that's a really important topic for, I think, a lot of type ones. Um, but one thing I want to ask just before we get all into all that, what part of the country are you in? You know, have kids, job, like you're, yeah. you're, 40, you're 47, right? Based on... Yep. The math. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. All right. So maybe you can give a little bit of background on that. Yeah, sure. So I, um, I live in, um, the Midwest, Northern Indiana. Um, I have two kids. Um, one is, uh, 28 and I have a 20 year old, um, and married. Um, yeah. And, uh, I work, I'm an RN, um, and I work for a health insurance company. I've worked kind of on the business side of healthcare for quite some time. So, um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Okay. Okay. That's good to know. So you, you have, you know, some, you have a medical background as well in terms of, so that's, that's helpful actually. I, yeah. I, I noticed, um, and looking at some of your comments on Facebook, you're very methodical about, your approach to things. So I was thinking, I wonder if she has some sort of background in this. There's yeah. this isn't just like a lay person trying to attack these issues, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. And I do like to, um, understand the, you know, the problem and yeah, like you said, be pre pretty methodical about researching it and find out, you know, what's going on. And, and I, you know, I understand some of the medical terminology and, and all of that. So that's, that helps too. So, so you've been on a pump, you know, you've, you were an earlier adopter of pumps and then you got on control IQ, uh, tandem, um, how, how have your A1Cs been, have they been like, you know, been pretty steady over time? Have they been elevated? Is that why you started fasting? Like what was, 
you know, what has been like your, your history that way? Yeah. So, um, it, as an adult, when I was a teenager, things were a little out of control, but as an adult, I've had very well controlled blood sugars. Um, I, um, am very, um, methodical about that too. So, um, I, I mean, it's not perfect. I'd love for it to be in the fives, but I know that's kind of, um, really, um, hard to get to, but, um, I, two times ago when I went to the doctor, it was, um, 6.1. And I was really excited about that. Um, I started fasting more, um, than anything to lose weight. I had read the fast feast repeat, um, book and I was really excited to try that because I, you know, I had like 10 pounds to lose or something, 15 pounds and thought maybe this would help. Um, although then once I started, um, I, I, uh, I really liked the way that it was easy for my type one, you know, it was like this positive secondary effect where I only had to deal with the roller coaster once per day instead of all day long. Um, so I was like, oh gosh, I think I might do this forever. And it worked out pretty well in the beginning. Um, but, um, then I started to experience the, um, in what I think is insulin insulin resistance when I would um, break my fast. And so then I'd start spiking and anyway, so then I, I did that for a while. And, um, then my A1C after I started fasting went from, it was 6.1 and then it went up to 6.3. So it actually got a little worse. And I think it was because of the insulin resistance. Um, so anyway, that's kind of, but I'm hoping, I'm hoping I started taking metformin and, and that helped significantly. So I'm hoping my next A1C will be better. And I'm looking forward to getting that done next month. Yeah. It's, I think there's a, and how long have you been fasting in total? Would you say? Um, I started fasting in, uh, January 1st of this year. So six months. Okay. Yeah. I think there's definitely like a, a learning curve that goes along with fasting. And I think it's normal to expect maybe a not so stellar A1C when you're starting out because there's so many changes to your settings. There's low blood sugars that you have to treat with, you know, carbs that you didn't plan on eating. There's just all kinds of stuff that goes on that in the beginning, that's hard to control for. So, or, you know, um, you know, the insulin resistance that you were experiencing, things like that. It's just, it seems like it takes your body some time to adjust. I think hopefully from here on out, things are a little bit smoother for you. Um, hopefully. Yeah. Yeah, I love fast feast repeat. That's how I got started too. Um, so what was your fasting protocol when you started and is it the same or has it changed over time? Yeah. So when I first started, I just, um, went for it. I didn't, um, ease into it like you're supposed to, <laughs> that might've been part of the problem, but, um, I just went to, a um, I have, I do it daily. I don't fast for extended periods of time that I would fast 20 hours and then eat like four hours a day. But then I ended up just feeling so full when I would eat that I, I wouldn't continue eating for that four hours. So it, ended up being more like a, um, OMAD, um, because I just was so full. I just couldn't continue to eat during that time. So anyway, that's, um, so I did that for, um, quite some time now. I think I'm more of a, um, 18, six. It's not, I would love to be one meal a day, but, um, 
I just think um, I, I become too insulin resistant. I think if I, if I have that strict of a fasting protocol. So if you're, if you're doing 18, six, does that mean you're kind of getting like two meals a day in, or are you doing like one meal with a lot of snacks or how does that work for you? Yeah. So what I do is I, um, usually I try depending on how hungry I am, (laughs) but what I try to do is I break my fast with something very small, like a handful of blueberries, um, something, or maybe like a hard boiled egg or cottage cheese or something that, um, protein, um, little to no carbs if possible. Um, and then I take a metformin with that um, and then wait. I try and wait again, depending on how hungry I am, um, because if my body is going to be insulin resistant, which it always is when I break my fast, I always say like my body freaks out. Like when I first break my fast and start eating and it, it'll spike, my blood sugar will spike. And so I'd rather have it spike with something small, something with not a lot of carbs. Um, and then let that like metformin kind of soak in, move through my digestional system. And then, um, later I will have a a bigger meal. Um, and you know, a few hours later. So are you doing, is your eating period or eating window, is it more like earlier in the day or is it later in the day? How, How do you just kind of schedule that? Yeah, I, um, typically, um, eat, uh, around like around lunchtime, maybe noon, one o'clock. Um, and then I'll eat a few hours later, you know, maybe three, four, five o'clock. Um, so it's kind of a lunch dinner thing, but I always stop eating fairly soon so that if my blood sugars are going to get out of control, I want to have that, um, taken care of before I go to bed. So maybe between like one and or I'm sorry, maybe one and five o'clock. And it's not super strict, but that's about what I eat. Yeah, that makes sense. I I like that idea too, of not having a lot of food in your system going on. Uh, if you can have an earlier sort of eating window, because yeah, just that thought of having bad blood sugars overnight and you're asleep. It's just, that's one of the things I actually really like about fasting is that my overnights have been a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, that those later eating times just really mess you up. You don't even realize it when you're doing it for so many years, but it's just a real problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, my overnights have never really been a problem for me and they're not a problem for me now. And I've never had like a sundawning issue. Interestingly, I know some type ones do. Um, I've never had much of an issue with that. And I always kind of wonder if instead of that being an issue, I have this insulin resistance when I eat instead. Like, I don't know if it's a trade-off, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, I never have a sundowning issue. I never, uh, overnights are always pretty good as long as I don't eat too late, you know? So anyway. So when you break your fast, your blood sugar, um, you you have insulin resistance, you never had this insulin resistance problem prior to fasting that you can recall. I never noticed it. I'll, I'll say that I've wondered now that I've really paid a lot of attention, um, since fasting, I wonder and look back and think, I want, I wonder if I was, I, but I just don't know. I wasn't paying attention to it, but I think it definitely magnified it. Um, for sure. Um, I I didn't have the magnitude of an issue that, that I have when I fast, particularly when I was doing one meal per day. Um, it, it was, it was, 
but yeah, like nothing that, that I had experienced before. Yeah. I feel like I've had that issue too. And I just, I don't know what I, maybe I didn't, uh, I don't know, maybe I didn't like dig into the specifics on it. I, you know, with diabetes, there's so many variables going on that I didn't think to myself, well, maybe this is because I'm breaking my fast. I'd just be like, wow, I guess, you know, maybe I ate something weird. And why am I going up to 200, even though I pre bolus you know, like, and I just thought, okay, that's weird. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you, you know, yeah. it's like, you just kind of like, let it go. Cause you're just like, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. You know, but I, I think that uh, I can definitely relate to that, but, um, I think the thing that for me helped me understand it, um, or at least got my wheels turning a little bit was, um, I broke my ankle last October. So just a couple months before I started fasting, I broke my ankle and I had to have surgery on it. And, um, anyway, the, after surgery, um, my blood sugar just shot up because actually my blood sugar was low. You know, you have to, you have to go in fasting and my blood sugar was getting low. So they had to give me, um, IV fluids that had some sugar in it. And then anyway, then as I was recovering, um, immediately after the surgery, my blood sugar just spiked crazy high, like 300s, 400 even, um, and would not come down and it would not come down for at least 48 hours. It might've been 72 hours. It was just in the 300s. And I was giving myself what I always say is just like massive amounts of insulin, you know, it's like, I should not be giving myself this much insulin. Um, and it just wouldn't even touch it. And, um, so I realized that that was like the cortisol stress reaction of the surgery, making me resistant to insulin. Um, and it eventually after, you know, 48, 72 hours, it started to finally come down. But it was really stressing me out because I was like trying to recover from surgery and I, you know, blood sugar is um, not good um, at that point. So anyway, um, then when I started fasting in January, I, it just felt like the same thing. It felt like the same thing where I would eat, break my fast, have that one meal per day. And I kid you not, sometimes I would just eat like little baby carrots and it would just shoot so high, like, you know, 250, 300. And I would give myself bolus after bolus after bolus. And just like after my surgery, it just would not come down. And it was like, it was not recognizing the insulin. Um, and so, it, so pretty early on, I, I was able to, you know, think through that and think, okay, this, this has got to be insulin resistance also. Yeah, that that's certainly sounds like, it. I wonder in your surgery, did they give you some sort of a uh, steroid without you knowing it? Cause that sounds like a steroid reaction. That's what always happens to me when they give me injections. Um, no, they didn't give me any, uh, steroids. I think that, um, just the stress reaction of, um, surgery will cause, I know, um, steroids definitely cause insulin resistance massively also, but, um, just the stress reaction of going through surgery will also cause that resistance. Yeah. Wow. Like your body just freaks out, you know, like, Oh my gosh, what's happening. And then releases all these stress hormones like cortisol, and that will make you, um, resistant. Oh, interesting. Well, maybe you can, um, provide like a, when you first started fasting and you noticed that insulin resistance, can you talk about 
you know, um, what you notice, like how high your blood sugars would go, how long they were high before that you could bring them down, how much extra insulin, that kind of thing that you were using, just so people can understand like what you were dealing with as you were trying to figure out how to deal with, how, how to tackle it. Yeah. So, um, so I would, um, yeah, I started noticing it because, you know, I read the book and, um, and I was expecting to become more insulin sensitive because that's the way it's supposed to happen. <laughs> You're supposed to use less insulin. Um, and I, like I said, pretty quickly realized I was resistant because my blood sugar, even if I eat something carb, I would still spike um, into at least the 300s um, and it would stay there for hours, um, like two to four hours maybe. And, um, I don't have an exact amount of insulin, but I know like my sensitivity, sensitivity ratio, I was giving myself maybe double, triple, quadruple. I was just, you know, bolus after bolus, after bolus, after bolus. And, um, and then it just wouldn't touch it for hours and hours and hours. And then it would finally come down. Um, and, uh, so I, but when I was fasting, um, it was perfect. Absolutely. Perfect. My blood sugar was absolutely perfect. And, and I would use very small amounts of my, you know, my, um, um, basal IQ with my T slim pump would give me, um, just very tiny amounts of insulin while I was fasting. So, um, and I called my doctor and, um, let him know this was happening. And that's when I asked to switch to Lumjev because I just wasn't comfortable, you know, being in the 300s for four hours. Um, and I was thinking, well, maybe if I could get some insulin that would work faster, um, that didn't really help too much. Um, and then they just, they told me to increase my um, insulin set sensitivity. Um, so I did that. And I just felt like there's like, why am I having this reaction? Like everyone else seems to have the opposite reaction of what I'm having. Um, and I'm not sure that dumping more insulin at it is the right thing because I think it's, a am resistant to insulin. And so I think maybe that's the problem that needs to be solved. Um, not just pouring more insulin because putting more insulin just it didn't, it didn't solve the problem. I would still be high for hours and hours. And I was just like, at some point, like a switch would get flipped and all of a sudden I would become sensitive. And, um, and if I was dumping a lot of insulin, then I'd be more likely to become low at that point. Um, so I just felt like I needed something to help me become more sensitive to the insulin. So uh, so finally, I after like, and, and, and honestly, I think this is a good point too, because after a couple, I would say, um, maybe a couple months like this, I just, I kept thinking like, well, maybe my body will just eventually get used to this routine, you know, like it's just freaking out and like that metabolic switch, you know, that I read about, like maybe my body's just taking a long time to get used to the making that metabolic switch. So I, um, I, I just kept trying to stay with it. And I did like only eating once a day. Um, but then I had such a long stretch of really high blood sugars that it really started to worry me that I was going to end up DKA because you already have a lot of ketones from fasting to begin with. Right. 
and then you eat and then you spike your blood sugar up so high for so long. I just kind of started to feel like I've been playing with fire here. Like I'm going to end up DKA and have to be hospitalized. And I don't want that. So anyway, so I called my doctor and requested something more than just increase insulin, but something to treat the, um, the insulin resistance. And so they prescribed metformin and I started taking metformin and, and that really has made all the difference in the world. I haven't experienced that, um, that extreme resistance since the time I started taking metformin. So, okay. That's, that's really good background. Um, and I have some follow-ups, but before I ask them, um, so how long have you been on metformin? Um, I'm going to, I'm going to say like maybe three and a half, four months, maybe something like that. Okay. So did you start out at like 500 milligrams and then titrate up or like, what's your, what's your dose? Yeah, I started at 500 milligrams. Um, just, <clears throat> just to kind of play with it. My doctor prescribed a thousand, but I just, I just took a 500, um, just to see, um, if that would do it. And it did do it. I took 500 milligrams and it's not the, um, controlled release. I know most times people take metformin, it's the controlled release. And that's actually what my doctor, um, recommended, but, um, it, and I, when I took the, um, later I took the controlled release because my doctor kind of insisted on it and, and it didn't have the same effect. It wasn't good. I had, I had, um, more resistance. So I took the non-controlled release and 500 milligrams when I would break my fast. And, and again, like I said, I'd start with the small meal or just, you know, a handful of grapes, a hard boiled egg, something like that with 500 milligrams of non-controlled release metformin. And it was beautiful. My blood sugar it went from just, you know, crazy town to like a straight line. Like my, I would have many days where my blood sugar would be a hundred percent in range. It was, I could eat a cupcake and my blood sugar would not budge. It just would stay. Um, I was just so sensitive to the insulin. I went from the extreme non-sensitive to or resistant to extremely sensitive. Um, I had a really, um, profound reaction to the metformin, I would say. Um, and it was like, oh my gosh, all of a sudden being type one felt like super easy. I could eat whatever and, uh, I could, you know, um, yeah. And it, it just, it, and I didn't get low. I would, um, it wouldn't, it wouldn't spike. And that's the thing I, I think is it, it's the spiking and then dumping a bunch of insulin on it. And then eventually it becoming, becoming sensitive. And then, and then it dropping down. But when I'm always sensitive, like I was when I first started taking metformin, it, um, I, I wouldn't have the lows either. I wouldn't have the highs and I wouldn't have the lows and it was a beautiful thing. However, I did notice just like a lot of people have noticed that after a few months, um, and it was, you know, it lasted months. Um, I, it, it would start to wane and I'd start to have, but it was, it's never been crazy. Like it was, um, when I didn't take metformin, but it did, I do now have some highs where it might go up and touch maybe 200 and, 
come down and maybe get in the seventies or even sixties um, when I give myself more insulin, but it's more of like the normal kind of ebbs and flows that type one C is, is not the insulin resistance that I um, had experienced before. So um, I'm still, and I did increase the metformin to a thousand milligrams. Um, I take it all at once when I first eat, um, like I always have. And, uh, and yeah, I still have those, um, you know, it's not perfect anymore. It's not the most beautiful, easy, um, blood sugars. Um, like in the beginning, they're more normal, but, um, I'm, I'm no longer having that extreme resistance. So when did you titrate up to a thousand? Um, why did I, or when, when, um, yeah. I would, um, maybe after two months of being on it or six weeks, something like that, I started to notice it wasn't, my blood sugars weren't as perfect anymore. And I thought maybe if I took another 500 milligrams and that's what my doctor was recommending anyway, that maybe that would help. And it did help for a while. Um, but, um, it's, it's just not a, the, the, my blood sugars are not as perfect as they used to be. And I do require more insulin. So when I first started taking metformin, I, um, I, I used to always take about 40, 40 units of insulin a day before I started fasting. Um, and then I, when I started taking metformin, it dramatically went down. It went to like 25 units a day. Um, and then now that some of the effects of the metformin have started to wane. Um, I'm now at about 33, 32 units a day. Um, so it's still let, like I had this extreme reaction for six weeks, couple months when I first started taking metformin. And now, and I think that's a good illustration. Like now it's kind of, it's not as perfect, but it's still, you know, 32 units versus 40 is still better than it was. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, uh, and ha have you had any side effects with metformin? Like I know, like for me, I had to stop taking it cause it was upsetting my stomach so much. It didn't in the beginning. And then all of a sudden it was like, Oh my God, I have to stop this. Yeah. Um, not enough to make me want to stop, but I, I will say that there are times and I, I don't know if it depends on how much I eat or like if I eat too much or, but there are times where I'll feel like so full or, you know, that I start to feel kind of nauseous or, um, yeah, like, yeah, I definitely have some of those digestional side effects, but I would say they're kind of mild and few and far between. It's not like every day that I have those effects just every once in a while, maybe once or twice a week, um, I'll have some sort of digestional usually it's that I feel so full I feel like it it I know it slows down the digestion and so I so I feel like if I eat too much um I'll feel really extremely full and um and start to feel a little bit like I don't know not nauseousness but maybe like indigestion um but it's not it's not terrible and it's only you know once in a while okay gotcha that's good I'm glad it's been basically working out for you. Hopefully it stays that way. Right. Um, <laughs> um, and you know, what's interesting about what you're saying is you're on the non-controlled release, um, version. So do you, do you have any sense of when you think it kind of like peaks for you for lack of a better way of stating it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think it's, it's interesting because, because I fast, I feel like I don't need 
like a sustained release. I need it to stop the, I feel like I can't make the metabolic switch. Um, <clears throat> that when I go <clears throat> from fasting to feasting, right. Um, I don't switch like I should. And so I need it just in that moment. Almost. I don't need it all throughout the day because I'm not eating all throughout the day. I just need it at that moment. So I take it then, and I don't feel like it starts working right away. That's why I, I usually, you're supposed to take it with food. So I eat something really small, like I said, with the metformin, and then kind of let that digest and move through my system. And then I feel like a couple of hours later, and sometimes that can be hard to wait, you know, after you've been fasting and eat something small and then wait to eat something bigger. But, um, but that is when I have the best effect. If I can wait to eat, you know, because I don't want to, when I know in that sensitive time, when I first break my fast, that I'm insulin resistant and I need that metformin to kind of soak in. Um, it's not a great time to like eat a, you know, pizza or, you know, a donut or whatever, you know, like it's, um, it's best to wait a couple hours for that to get moved through my just digestional system. And then at that point, it's, it's usually much, much better. Um, and, it, and, but if I do eat, uh, because, you know, sometimes I'm just starving. And so I, um, you know, I want to eat something as soon as I break my fast. Um, when, when I take a metformin with it, I still don't have that extreme reaction that I did in the beginning when I didn't take any metformin. I I'll, I'll spike, like I'll spike up to maybe <clears throat> 200, like I said, and, and I'll take some insulin and it'll work. It'll bring it down. Um, but if I wait a couple hours to eat a donut, a piece of pizza, whatever it it's, it's much, um, better. It might stay like around 150 or something um, when I eat. Okay. Yeah. That's good information. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about, um, when you break your fast and I, I do this a lot, which I think is one of my problems when, with respect to higher or insulin resistance or higher blood sugars after breaking my fast is, uh, you know, I'm really good at fasting. I can go a long time without eating. Um, but then basically the minute I break my fast, I turn into like a food shoveler, you know, I'm just like eating everything in sight as quickly as possible. And then I end up extremely full. And then it's hard to, for the insulin to work when you have so much food in your stomach. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds like the met, your idea of using the metformin when you first start eating and then it kind of makes you feel full. So it slows you down a little bit and you're eating over a six hour period instead of me, which is like only maybe an hour or two, even, um, it just actually, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It, yeah. And it, um, yeah. It, and I don't know that the metformin like slows me down necessarily because I do feel like after I take it. It, I do feel like it takes a couple hours for it to like move its way through it, my digestional system. So it is not always easy for me to start with a small meal with metformin, but that's one of the reasons why I don't, I just, I don't eat like the one meal a day anymore. Like I eat the one small meal and then I have to give myself a few hours to let that soak in. Um, and then then I'll eat a bigger, um, meal with more carbs later. And, and it just seems to go so much better. Um, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You have to do what, what works for you. Yeah. 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 And you had to tweak it with, and you, and you're now better understanding how metformin is working for you. Hopefully it continues. I've had 
such a run of things working and then not working. Like I was in love with a Frezza and I still think it's great. I think people should try it if they can, that inhaled insulin. I don't know if you've heard it or used, have you ever used it? I've never used it, but I'm definitely curious about it. Yeah. You might like it. It might actually help you um, in conjunction with the metformin because it brings high blood sugars down really fast. Uh, yeah. But um, it, you know, it was working beautifully for me for a couple months. And then for whatever reason, it just kind of stopped working for me. Now I use it, but um, on occasion, instead of every single day for every single thing, like I, I used to eat it. I used to take uh, a Fresno when I would every time I ate, every time I had a high blood sugar, I was using it just all day long. And now I use it more sparingly. Like if I have a high that just refuses to come down, I'll take a Frezza and it works. But my body almost had to like reset because I was just, I inundated it with a Frezza. So, and then metformin, I was super excited about metformin, tried that for a few months and then it stopped working for me too. So it's like, uh, you know, it's, it gets <laughs> frustrating. Why, yeah. Why can't something just keep working? I know it's so odd. I have tried something with metformin though, because like I had such an extremely beautiful reaction in the beginning that I just wanted it to keep going. And I think I did maybe the opposite of what you did where I did, I did start at 500. Then I went to a thousand and that made it better. And then after a while that stopped, it didn't completely stop. Like I said, I was at 40 before I'm about 32 now. Um, and I'm happy with that. I've lost a total of 15 pounds, which is about what I wanted to lose. So um, that was my original goal. Um, my blood sugars are better. Um, I do, I do feel like I'm still benefiting from metformin, but I, when I wanted to like get back to the original reaction I had, I decided to stop taking it for a week. And I, I did, I completely stopped taking it. My blood sugars were wild um, that week. Um, but I tried to like eat more, um, maybe keto, like not as many car. I definitely, I, I definitely eat carbs, but for that week, I tried to cut them back and maybe not eat as much. And, um, anyway, I just took like a metformin holiday. And then when I went back on it, I did have that beautiful reaction again. It, um, and then it did eventually wane off. And so I'm like thinking about like maybe every three months I need to just take a, a week off and then go back to it. I don't know. But um, I've had such a great reaction that I want to keep it going. So if I have to, you know, maybe that's what I need to do. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, yeah. Sometimes our bodies just need to reset, I guess, is the answer. Uh, and I guess you could also try if metformin seems to just completely trail off and not work anymore, which hopefully doesn't happen, but you know, anything is possible. Try Ozempic or Wygovi or one of those other ones. Yeah. Yeah. I, I am definitely, that's something I want to talk to my endo about. Um, I'm a little nervous about Ozempic because I know, um, from what I've read and, um, actually my husband, he's a type two and he takes, um, Manjaro. Um, and so I've seen what it does to him and his sensitivity and, it's just, um, I'm worried about it being too strong for me. Um, because one of the things I've noticed about metformin, especially like when I first start taking it, I'm super sensitive, um, to insulin and it slows down the digestion. I've noticed that sometimes it, when I eat, it takes a long time for my blood sugar to start going up, which is beautiful when, um, I'm in range and, you know, but if I go low, um, 
and my digestion has slowed down so much, I worry that I won't be able to bring myself back as quickly as I'm used to from a low. Um, and so that's my concern about um, using something more powerful like Ozembic is, is it, am I going to absorb the food as fast as I need it um, when I'm low? Um, so anyway, that's something I want to talk to my endo about, but that's, I mean, yeah, uh, it's kind of, I guess, weighing the pros and the cons. I want to have great blood sugars and um, maintain the weight loss and all of that. Um, but I don't Without too many scary lows. Yeah. yeah you know, um, did you listen? I, I did an episode with Ginger Vieira. I don't know if you listened to that. You might want to. Yeah, I did. did. Yeah. 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 And she mentioned a scary low with those. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's my concern. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I love that. the idea of hardly taking any insulin and, you know, having great sensitivity. I love all of that, but it's, um, I'm just, yeah, a little worried about the lows, but, um, yeah, I plan to look more into it and, you know, maybe a tiny baby dose of it or something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Cause I think she was on like basically the lowest dose possible. Yeah. Um, but she was yeah. also taking metformin too. Right. So right. I, I don't know. Maybe she, I, I have to, uh, I have to talk to her and see if she's now then switched only to Ozempic or if she's changed something. Cause it seems like maybe the two might be overkill. I don't know. Yeah. 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 And, and the other thing about it is that it's a, like a weekly injection. Right. And I know my husband with the uh, Manjaro and my sister also takes Manjaro for type two diabetes, which is similar to Ozempic, even stronger though um and what i noticed with them is like their appetite and their blood sugars are like super good monday tuesday like they don't want to eat at all for the first few days and then by the end of the week they start feeling more hungry again so i and so for me i think for being a type one I'm worried that certain days of the week I'll be certain really sensitive and then other days of the week I won't be. So it'll be really hard with pump settings um, where it'll change day by day. Um, it might be hard to keep up with. So I don't know, like I said, not like um, completely ruling it out. It's just, you know, things to keep in mind that um, might be a little challenging. Yeah, absolutely. I understand that it's, it, it really is hard if you have, it's like if you exercise certain days and then you're, you know, your insulin sensitivity is up. It's such a pain when you're, when you do something different than the day prior and you just have to constantly be, it's, it's like, if you're type one, I always say like type one is an ex, is an exercise in like routine and consistency. Right. You know, right. like, yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's it. That's it. Like those medications bring a lot of um, benefits, but then it also, will change the routine and the consistency. And so it's yeah. like, you can't depend on that. You, your settings will always be correct. Um, if you're on one of those medications, I, at least I think I, that's the thing that I worry about um, is that Monday might be completely different from Friday because it's a weekly injection. So, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, I mean, I don't know if you've thought about this at all, but one of the reasons, um, I end up with a lot of high blood sugars lately is cause I think I'm perimenopausal. So it's just, that adds another complication. I don't know if you've experienced any of those issues too, cause you're yeah. around that age, but yeah, I am around that age. I haven't noticed it yet, but then who knows? I mean, might, that might be why I'm having, you know, the insulin resistance that I'm having. I don't know. Um, 
but um yeah i i definitely my issues are um always around when i eat like the spiking after i eat and the resistance that comes with that so i don't know if that's a perimenopausal issue or or not yeah it might not be i'm just throwing out ideas because these are things i've noticed in my own life um yeah. <laughs> with respect to <laughs> insulin resistance it's like yeah. what could it be i have like 20 options you know yeah, so. oh yeah. <laughs> um speaking of you know what could it be how maybe you can talk a little bit about your diet because you're not typically keto right so you do eat carbs yeah I do eat carbs um I just feel like uh that's just one thing I just cannot give up um for me to um I just I I don't know I just like eating carbs (laughs) so um I I do um I try to limit it. Um, and also I would say one thing that over, um, the months of fasting that I've done is I used to, in the beginning, after reading the fast feast repeat book and just really getting into it and doing almost like an OMAD in the beginning. And then the reactions that I had to that, I realized I don't know. I feel like us type ones kind of have a little bit of a superpower where we can see exactly how much insulin daily dose we get. And to me, that's more um, indicative of how well controlled I am and my weight. Um, So I pay much more attention to the amount of insulin I give myself than the hours of fasting that I do. And so because of that, I end up eating, making different choices where I won't, you know, I will maybe choose not to eat a cupcake um, because I know I'm already taking, you know, 30 units of insulin that day. And I don't want to, you know, go over, you know, so anyway, I just, I pay attention to the daily dose of insulin and um, make choices according to that. So I end up eating, you know, more vegetables and, and lower carb things, but I definitely don't, you know, I still let myself enjoy carbs, but um, not quite as much as I used to. Yeah. And that's an important message because I think um, a lot of, you know, people in the fasting community or, you know, type one in general, people are so militant about being keto. And it's just like, you know, everybody wants, has to do their own thing. And you may go through phases of your life where you eat carbs and phases where you don't like, um, I used to eat a lot of carbs. And then when I came to fasting, I slowly started cutting them out. And I recently, I'll, um, when your episode comes out, I'll, my episode on how I cut out sugar and artificial sweeteners will be up. Like there's just certain things that I notice are problematic for me. And so I cut them, but like, who knows, maybe in a year you talk to me and I'm back to, you know, I'm eating pasta for dinner every night. I don't know. You know, I feel like our bodies just dictate what we want to do and what feels best for us. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I guess that's just, you know, I, um, I do so much to, um, control my diabetes and, uh, stay healthy. Um, I do exercise every day. Um, I do, I go to Pilates classes every single day and that helps control my, um, blood sugar also. And so, you know, and I just, I, I do intermittent fasting and I do all of these things. And it's like, that's the one thing I'm just like, I just don't really want to do. I want to keep eating carbs, but, um, but I feel like watching my daily dose of insulin is a way for me to like, keep it in check where I'm not overeating carbs, and I'm, um, yeah, keeping everything in range. 
Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I mean, at some point you may want to run an experiment where you don't eat. And like you said, when you um, took your metformin holiday, you were eating fewer carbs. And I wonder if you were on metformin and you also ate lower carbs, what you would see in terms of like effects. But, you know, it's like if you want to run that experiment, yeah. fine. if you don't, fine, you know. Oh, I, I'm, I'm certain that experiment would show that um, my blood sugars are even better and um, I lose more weight. I'm sure I'm sure of that. Um, I just I just don't really want to do all that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, <laughs> you know, I, I still want to enjoy carbs. That's, you know, so, yeah. Have you um? do you know who the glucose goddess is? Have you ever seen what she does? No, I haven't. She's on uh, Instagram. And if you listen to the juice box podcast, Scott Benner did a really good interview with her. And she talks about like the order that you eat things. So like, let's say, you know, you're going to eat a pizza. Um, for example, if you eat like a salad before the pizza, the impact on your blood sugar might be less, you know, less dramatic than if you just ate the pizza straight or she runs all these different experiments. And it's kind of interesting about the ordering of you know, how you eat things. Yeah, I think I would be interested in that because I feel like that's kind of what I'm doing a little bit now with um, the metformin. I'm always careful about that first meal that I eat. Um, and by the way, I mean, I've, I've learned from Facebook groups and things because I, when I first started struggling with this, I got on Facebook group and found there are a lot of other type ones that have the same weird reaction where we're resistant after fasting so I don't think I'm alone and um I've heard other people um talk about doing the same thing that I'm doing like when you it's that first meal um after you break your fast that if you can do you know something with that first meal and other people say the same thing and I think it's kind of what you're talking about is ordering the food like maybe doing um you know, yeah, like a salad or like I said, like um, a low carb, high protein, something like that when you first break the fast. But yeah, I think listening to that podcast maybe might get, give me some more or that, um, what did you say? Glucose goddess? Yeah. yeah. I'll look her up because maybe that'll give me some more ideas. Yeah. I think, I think it might something to just consider, especially if you're in a space where you're eating carbs um, you know, you haven't restricted your carbs, at least if you order your food differently, maybe it'll have some effect. I don't know. It's just all trial and error. Right. Yeah. <laughs> As we know. Yeah, check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so you mentioned your husband is type two. Yes. Mm -hmm. Does he yep. fast as well? Um, he does, but only because of the Manjaro that he takes, um, takes away his appetite completely. Um, for, he takes it on Sunday nights, his injection, and he, he doesn't wait till about Wednesday. Um, he'll eat a very small meal on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday is about when he'll start to have two meals, but they're also very small. If he eats anything too heavy, um, he gets, he just gets uncomfortably full um and he eats like a fraction of what he used to eat before so I always say he like he's not trying to intermittently fast but the medication just takes away his appetite for so much of um the week that he ends up doing it yeah okay well it's good that you have somebody in your household that is kind of on the same page as you oh yeah for sure yeah because um it would be much 
more difficult if he was like whooping up big meals and everything. And so, yeah, we're definitely on the same page because um, we're, we're kind of, yeah, both doing um, fasting. So, you know, given that you've had some issues adjusting in the beginning, you're six months in and, you know, you've had some issues with insulin resistance and things like that. Like, do you think you'll continue with fasting or do you, are you, are you, is the jury still out on it? I think that I will continue um, to fast in one way or another. I just, um, I don't think I'll ever go back to eating continuously throughout the day um, because it's just so hard to ride that roller coaster with blood sugars all um, day long. So that's one thing that, you know, doing the intermittent fasting has taught me is like, I don't have to do that, That actually there's many more health, I guess, because we're always taught that you need to eat like that, you know, breakfast in the morning, most important meal of the day, all that. But, um, I kind of see things in a new way now where I think for me in particular, being a type one, it's healthier for me, um, to not eat as often, um, to only have to fight that roller coaster, um, you know, once or now it's kind of twice, but, um, but yeah, and then the with the manjar or I'm sorry, with the metformin. Um, yeah, I feel like I've I've kind of gotten a good groove and and I don't see um stopping. That's great. Yeah, I mean it is hard to as a type one push through those initial struggles. Like I I had them too. I was getting a lot of really bad lows in the beginning because I hadn't adjusted my settings and they as I was losing weight, um, my insulin needs just kept going down, 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 down. And it was very frustrating because I was eating a lot of glucose tablets and things when I didn't want to, that there, to me, that's the worst part of type one is like, you're forced to eat when you don't want to. I agree. Yes. I hate that. <laughs> I hate that so much, but you know, it's interesting. I think it's maybe because I have this unusual reaction of, um, resistance um when I started eating I didn't have a lot of lows or maybe it's because my settings were correct I don't know but I I really didn't have a lot of lows but I think it's I don't know when I was fasting my blood sugar would stay where it needed to be um the problem was when I would eat it would spike up um and I didn't I didn't really experience a lot of lows and yeah um even as you've lost the weight while on metformin you haven't have have you have you had to change your set? I assume you've changed your settings on your your pump, right? Over time. Um, or has it adjusted for you? I don't use Control IQ, so I don't know too okay, much yeah. about it. Yeah, the yeah the Control IQ adjusts my basal rate for me. Um, so so yeah, I didn't have to change my basal's. It adjusts um throughout the day according to um what my blood sugar readings are. Um, my sensitive, my insulin sensitivity, I did change, but I ended up having to change it. Like I said, so to account for the insulin resistance. And then what I found was for me, um, as I've described my, my resistance to insulin and my sensitivity to insulin changes throughout the day. So it's, um, and it depends on when I eat. So, um, the first meal of the day, I'm always a little bit resistant, even with the metformin, it takes a minute for the metformin to start working. So, um, and then later in the day, I'm much more sensitive to insulin. So, um, so it's hard for me, um, to change my insulin sensitivity, um, because it changes so much from, 
throughout the day, um, depending on what I'm eating and, and, um, you know, and all those factors. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, one other thing I want to explore with you a little bit is, uh, your exercise because sometimes like if you do, obviously if you do high intensity or things like that, it can spike your blood sugar. Are you one, what, how do you time your exercise with respect to your meals? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I used to, so, um, hmm, that's really been tricky for me. I'll be honest with you because I work eight to five Monday through Friday. And, um, I love to do Pilates classes and they are usually in the evening. And so it's right. It's, I can't go fasting. I would love to be able to go fasting. Um, I have the best results when I go fasting. Um, but even then, even when I do like maybe on a Saturday morning, I'll go, um, fasting. Sometimes my blood sugar will spike, um, because, um, I'm using the stored, um, glucose in my muscles, um, and that spikes my blood sugar up. So, um, but I, so I, I typically go in the evening after work and, um, that's kind of why I switch. I used to do really high intensity cardio for years and years and years and years. And I'd have a lot of scary lows. Um, I'd always have to take juice or glucose tabs or something and have it in my gym bag. And, um, I felt like it was a self-defeating process where I'd, I'd exercise like crazy and feel really good about myself and then have to chug a couple of juice boxes on my way out of the gym. So, um, so I switched to Pilates because it's more, um, it's lower intensity, um, or low impact. Um, but it, and it's, um, resistance training and I don't know, it just, I get what I want out of the exercise without um, it really having a huge impact on dropping my blood sugars. So I just kind of switched the type of exercise. I rarely have um, a low blood sugar, even if I have insulin on board when I do Pilates. So it just works out. It works out better for me that it's not as intense. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. Yeah. I'm, I was just trying to think if you were doing something directly before you opened your eating window, that was maybe causing like also causing a spike as well as the food, but it sounds like that's not really the case. Yeah, no. And I did, and I have to say, I will, um, movement does impact my blood sugar. I'm sure as all type ones, um, I, um, first, like when I, when I was really, resistant to the insulin when I first started fasting and I would, you know, spike up three, 400 and stay there for four hours. Um, my doctor suggested using movement, like hop on the treadmill and, and that has always worked for me in the past. And when I would do it, then it would maybe come down like five points or something. And then as soon as I get off the treadmill, it'd go right back up. Like it, it didn't work like it used to. And it was, that was really interesting to me as well. But now um, that I take metformin and everything, like if my blood sugar spikes to maybe 200, 210, I jump on the treadmill or I, I just like, you know, get up out of my chair and like walk around the house a little bit, it will um, bring it down. Um, and movement really, really has a pretty big impact. And so I try and use movement um, rather than insulin. That's another kind of big change that I've made of like, okay, I could just continue to sit here in my chair and give myself another unit of insulin, or I could just walk a few laps around my house and, um, and it would bring it down just as well as an, a unit of insulin would. 
Yeah, I like movement for that reason too. And I usually will take a walk around the block or something if it's a, a stubborn high, but man, that sounds frustrating before you kind of, before you start on the metformin, you go on the treadmill and it would only come down five points. That's really tough. Oh yeah. It must've been so frustrating. Yeah. And that's kind of one of those things where it's like, this is so not normal for me. Like there's, there's something not right (laughs) happening here because normally, I mean, I'd run on the treadmill for 20 minutes and uh, it would come down just a tiny bit. And then as soon as I'd get off it'd go right back up again. And it's, yeah, like that's another one of those clues where I was just like, okay, something, something's not right here. Yeah, man. Well, I'm glad you have figured it out for now. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it stays that way. Or if it doesn't, you obviously are really on top of all this stuff. So I have every co- bit of confidence that you will continue to figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I won't give up. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. Wow. Well, is there anything else um, that maybe we missed that you wanted to address? Um, I don't think so. I think this was really good. Yeah. And I hope, you know, it helps other people. Cause like I said, I, um, when I started having these problems, I turned to Facebook and your podcast and, you know, just like other type ones that are fasting. Like I can't be alone here. And I found that it, it, there's a lot of other people that have the same reaction. So I would have appreciated knowing the lessons that I've learned. So I'm hoping that um, it'll help other people. Well, I wish I had had the benefit of hearing this conversation when I started fasting, because I know that I I had that issue too. I just wasn't, there were so many other changes going on that I couldn't point a finger at what was going on. So I, I know that you're not alone and I know there's a lot of other people facing this issue. So thanks for digging deep on it. Cause I know we went into a lot of details. So that will probably really help a lot of people. Um, and I'm glad to hear that you're not going to give up on fasting because uh, I think it's a really valuable tool. And I know you, you feel the same way. It's just, you really have to work in the beginning to as a type one in particular to get your settings right. And just to figure out what is going on in your body because your body is not used to this new way of life. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, uh, we just have to kind of, for me in particular, I had to find a way to make it work for me. And I love, you know, not eating throughout the day and I'll never go back to that. So, um, just got to find a way to make it work for me. Um, and I feel like I did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you did. And thank you so much for sharing your story and, and providing all those details. Cause I know they're going to be helpful to people. So thank you again. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Happy to do it. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.